Faith Matters Podcast. I'm your host, John Morgan. This is the podcast of Multi-Faith Matters, and I'm the host, John Moorhead, and today I'm privileged to have as a special guest, Rajanpreet Kaur, and I'm going to read the, the bio that she sent along. She's the Senior Media and Communications Manager at the Sikh Coalition, the largest Sikh civil rights organization in the United States. Since 2017, she has worked to support a high-impact communications team that contributes to nearly every facet of the Sikh Coalition's work and drives groundbreaking media results on behalf of Sikhs in America. Since the start of the pandemic, this work has included press uh, hits in national and news media outlets that highlight the SEBA, which is selfless service. Sikh communities nationwide are leading to give back to those in need during this difficult time. So Rajanpreet, welcome to the podcast. Of course, John, thank you so much for having me today and for creating the space to have this discussion well, I appreciate uh, you coming here. I know you folks have been busy uh, in the previous weeks, and of course, before that, unfortunately, uh, responding to some acts of, of violence against your community. Um, let me just start by, uh, on a personal note, I have for many years been interested in learning more about the Sikh community. I'm in Utah now, but originally I'm from Northern California. I lived in Sacramento, and there was a large Sikh community there. And a little further north in the U, greater Yuba City area, there was, I think, an even larger Sikh community there. Mm-hmm. And every day I would drive by the Gurdwara, and I always wanted to make connections, and I was just never able to do it. And mm-hmm. so um, you, your community has been on my heart and mind for many years, so I'm appreciative of this opportunity to do so. I always like to begin my conversations with a, a personal note, so the folks can know this isn't just about ideas, this is about lived lives and personal journeys. How did you come to embrace uh, the Sikh tradition as your religious pathway? Um, So I I was actually just born into a Sikh family. Um, And from what we know, uh, our family has been Sikh for generations long before we can remember. Um, So it was something that I was born into, but I think a lot of, just like you said, my lived experiences along the way have um, over time strengthened my personal faith and also helped me realize in what ways um, the life that I live day after day, the actions that I take, they are all in some way influenced by the values of Sikhi. And so um, when I was a child, uh, I remember going to the Gordwara, which is the Sikh house of worship um, on Friday nights and Sundays. And Sundays were the days when everyone in the community um, kind of took part. So those were the, the larger days of prayer. Um, and on Sundays, I would also take part in Khalsa school. So that was kind of our version of Sunday school. And it was a couple hours um, learning to read and write in Gurmukhi, which is the script that's used in the Guru Granth Sahib, um, the Sikh scripture. And we'd also learn about the history of our gurus, um, who, who are the 10 Sikh prophets. Um, 
And we'd also learn how to play instruments. So the instrument that I learned to play was the harmonium. So from a very young age, um, was very actively engaged. And on a more personal note, because I grew up in an area um, that did not have a significant Sikh population, the Gurdwara, um, our place of worship really became for me this center of community. So as I grew up um, through practice, I was also learning along the way what Sikh values are. And so values that we talk about, like living truthfully and living honestly, giving back to the community, meditating on God. Um, it actually wasn't until more recently as I've grown up that I've learned again, just how significant these pillars are and who I am and how I think about the world around me and how I choose to act every day. I, I appreciate that. Uh, hearing your story, it's always good to, to hear about someone else's journey. Now I notice where I'm pronouncing something different than you are. I think a lot of people say Sikh. You're saying Sikh. Is, is Sikh the correct one or are they variants or help, help me to pronounce things the correct way? Of course, yeah. Um, I'm really glad you asked that because that is a that is a question that most people ask. Um, because I think predominantly, when when you hear the word Sikh, you hear it pronounced as Sikh. Um, the correct way to pronounce it is Sikh. And in my own life, I've had many funny stories where I've told someone that, like, "Hey, I'm sick," and they take it as right. I'm ill or <laughs> not feeling well. Right. So I've, I've had those moments as well. Um, the correct way to pronounce it is sick. And as we go along, if there's other words you'd like to be corrected on, I'm happy to do so. Okay, I appreciate that. I'm going to try. For years, I've always said seek. So I'm going to try. Do my very best here. I want to be correct in pronunciation. Now, yeah. you work with a, a fine organization, the Sick Coalition. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell a little bit what its purpose, its mission is, and how did you come to work with it? Sure, yeah. Um, I've been uh, full-time on the Sick Coalition team since 2017. Um, actually, tomorrow I'm coming up on four years. Um, and the Sick Coalition itself is a national civil rights organization. Um, we're coming up on 20 years this September. We were actually founded in the aftermath of 9-11 um, in response to just a flood of attacks that Sikh Americans were facing in the wake of the September 11th attacks. And since then we've been providing um, advocacy support, legal support, educational and community support to the 500,000 Sikh Americans who live in this country. And to break that down into to better examples for listeners, um, that includes you know, working to make sure that school classrooms are inclusive so that they're safe for all children, working to prevent hate and discrimination um, wherever it can arise, uh, working to create equal employment opportunities so that uh, no sick American has to choose between um, their faith and the job that they want to do. And part of that work is also um, educating the broader American public about Sikh faith and uh, Sikh traditions. So I know a lot of the work I just described about what we do is super broad. Um, it feels like there's a lot, but I would say the core thread that ties everything together for us and the work that we do 
as an organization um, is this belief that you have a constitutional right to practice your faith in this country without fear. And our work is geared towards um, protecting that right. Uh, I really appreciate your organization and the fact that you responded and were willing to have this conversation, uh, I think will be very helpful to reaching uh, an important segment of the American population that needs to learn more. What I hope to do in this conversation is twofold. One, to help the audience learn a little bit more about uh, Sikhism and also to learn about the, the struggles that your community uh, continues to go through in America. On, on that first part, um, I think the Sikh community is probably one of the most misunderstood uh, religious communities in America. You're often confused uh, with Muslims. That's the assumption that many Americans make. Um, and if you were to ask, I think the average evangelical Christian, uh, can you tell me a little bit about what you know about uh, Sikhism? You would get blank stares. So to, to help overcome that, can you sketch a little bit about some of the, the origins and the beliefs and practices so that we can learn a little bit more about uh, our religious neighbors? Definitely, John. Um, before I get into that, I do wanna address um, just one part of that question for the audience, this idea of having that assumption of um, perceiving, perceiving someone to be Muslim because that perception and that idea of six being confused for another group then kind of implies, right, that there's this correct group that mm -hmm. should be targeted. Um, and as I, as I go into some of our beliefs, you'll, as the listener, I think better understand my next line, which is, um, you know, at the end of the day, no one should be targeted by any acts of hate, acts of violence because of how they look or what they believe. Um, and so as I, as I go into what some of the core beliefs in Sikhi are, I think you'll understand why I'm saying that. Um, and so one fun fact that uh, most people actually don't know is Sikhism is the fifth largest religion in the world. Um, and the area that it's founded in today is considered to be uh, modern day Pakistan and Northwest India. There are 25 million Sikhs um, and the founder of Sikhism, Guru Nanak, was actually born in um, the late 1400s. So it's also one of the youngest religions in the world. Um, and Sikhism is its own independent religion um, with its own scriptures, prophets, beliefs, practices. And at its core, what these beliefs say and what the Sikh worldview says is um, we believe that everything is connected. And so this idea of oneness is really strong. Um, and we believe that people of all faiths worship this one divine being, um, which I can refer to as Vaiguru, who created this, this world that we live in and everything that's in it. And so because of this idea that we have a Vaiguru of this divine presence. Um, we believe that Vaiguru is present in all people equally. And so we, because of that, um, don't hold anyone above another for whatever reason. Um, we don't discriminate on the basis of gender or caste uh, or any other social identity. Um, and in terms of uh, religious religious leadership, there's 
there's no, you know, one person is more worthy of holding that leadership than anyone else. It's open to people of all backgrounds. And so going back to this idea of oneness, of Baiglu being um, present in all people, it's what motivates Six to um, constantly contribute to the world around them and to cultivate the spirit that is very loving. Because for Six, finding, finding love and practicing this love with the world around us is both the means, um, is both the end and the means, right? And so one way that we do this in practice is um, through action. So seva, which was the term that we um, talked about in the beginning, is this idea of selfless service. And I think as we continue to discuss uh, what modern day Sikhism looks like in America, seva will come up later again in the discussion as well. Um, but it's this recognizing that, you know, we serve the world around us. We practice love by um, recognizing the oneness, recognizing that we are all one, no one is above another. We put this into practice by serving others. And this really goes back as well to the core values um, that I outlined in my own personal journey in the beginning, um, meditating on God and being truthful and having an honest living uh, and serving humanity. And those core values are really what guide six around the world in everything that they do and um, everything that they practice and the decisions they make and, and how they move forward. This idea that we, were, we are all one, this idea that we are all equal. I appreciate that. I, and this next question might be a bit of a generalization, but it might be helpful for, for listeners and viewers. Um, in in a, an American Christian context, uh, a daily expression of the faith might be going to church once a week, um, sometimes twice a week, um, singing hymns, having potlucks, those kinds of things. What does, uh, uh, in general, what would, how would a, a daily lived out sick uh, religious expression, what would that look like? Um, that's a really great question. Um, I think because for the audience as well, they'll be able to, uh, kind of reflect on their own, what they do every day. And so um, what's a key? So one of the core values of, um, in, in Punjabi, it's called Nam Japana. And so that's meditating on Vaiguru, meditating on God, meditating on this divine presence within us all. Um, you'll find that many Sikhs uh, have daily prayers that they do. Um, and the idea is to do them right at the start of the day, um, typically before, during, when the sun is rising and then daily prayers in the evening as well before you go to sleep. Um, and so that's one way of, of practicing that. Um, you can also go to the Gurdwara on Sundays, Fridays, whichever day of the week that works for you. Um, the Gurdwara is actually open to all at any point. Um, and and be in community and um, practice Nam Japana together, practice meditating on God together in that service of community. Um, and then another one is that idea of practic practicing seva, of 
giving back to others. Um, there really is no set structure. There really is no, you know, you need to do this every day or you need to do this in exactly this way. But where, wherever we get a chance to give back, um, that's, that's really what it is to put that, put that belief into action. And so one really great example is um, in the last year since the start of the pandemic, there's been multiple initiatives across the country that different sick communities or um, sick community members have taken up to give back to those in need around them, whether that's donating items to the local food pantry um, or that's dropping off pizzas at hospitals and um, police stations to show appreciation for law enforcement or um, dropping off meals to the homeless, whatever it is, there's multiple opportunities and ways that six have been giving back to their community. Um, and again, I think the important part to remember is that um, there's no such structure or way to do that. And so for us in a way, it's like you're given a guide and um, it's up to you to figure out and put into motion how you want to practice that belief. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider becoming a part by sharing on social media, clicking like, and visiting our patrons page and website donation page. You can find the links on the program notes and YouTube comments. Thank you for your partnership. Now back to the program. Uh, thank you for navigating that question. Um, I think it's important specifically for my, my audience because um, Protestants and particularly evangelicals, they're so belief and doctrine oriented. And I think if you really want to understand where someone is coming from in another religious tradition, even your own, is to get to that lived religion question. How is it lived out in daily life? So I think that that will be helpful for them. Um, now, you talked a little bit about the origins and history of Sikhism. Um, this is kind of a transitional question. How did it come to America? And I've, I've noticed that Sikhism is starting to uh, become a part of the, the fabric of uh, daily American life. I see the occasional news stories of uh, a sick police officer who has uh, been granted the, the, the right to wear uh, his head covering on the job and things like that. So uh, can you talk about how it came to America and what is it starting to look like as it becomes a part, uh, or at least a, it's always been a part, but a more visible expression of the mainstream of American life? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I mentioned towards the beginning that Sikhism originated in modern day Pakistan, Northwest India. That region is called Punjab and most of the world's uh, Sikh population still continues to live there. Um, but there is a flourishing diaspora worldwide and much of it's actually concentrated in the Commonwealth because of how migration happened within the British empire. Um, but along that time as well is actually when six first immigrated to the United States. And so that was about the late 1800s. And today um, it's estimated that there's about 500,000 six living in America. And uh, we are concentrated on in, in basically two areas, but many other spaces as well. So California has um, a very significant uh, sick population and New York and New Jersey, the tri-state area over here does as well. And um, 
I would say in recent decades, there's also more significant populations popping up in places like Michigan and Texas and Florida. Um, and so along with that, there's also an increasing number of sick houses of worship um, across the country. And so um, one thing that the listeners could do, uh, even if they wanted to pause right here and learn a bit more is look up where the nearest Gordwara is to them or sick house of worship is to them. Um, and I guarantee it, it probably won't be that far away. Um, but as you talk about uh, sick representation, especially in the last couple decades, you know, after 9-11, Sikhs have experienced a lot of hate and discrimination and that has been very, very visible. Um, and I can say for, for our community, um, even though that has, we don't want it to be our defining narrative. Um, Sikhs have lived in America for so long and contributed in so, so many ways to America's life, culture, economy. Um, and another, another term here, um, which is eternal optimism, despite all of these challenges, especially in the last 20 years, have Sikhs have chosen to remain in Jardikala, to remain um, optimistic, um, because we know that our nation's greatest strength is when we when we all stand together, when that's when we are strongest. Um, and so we, we talk about six being much more visible in the last two decades. Much of that, again, does have to do with this post 9-11 atmosphere. Um, but six, you know, when they first came to America and settled on the Western frontier, we were building railroads. Um, the first six was elected to Congress in the 1950s. The founder of fiber optics, this is a really cool fun fact, um, was sick. Um, so is the largest peach grower in the US. Uh, and that fun fact is highlighted in a recent um, United Shades of America CNN uh, episode as well, which I encourage you to check out if you want to see much of this, much of these contributions in, acti in action. Um, and along with that as well, you know, six have, Six are your doctors and your lawyers and your engineers, and we're also your movie actors and your activists and um, truck drivers and construction workers. And the one reason that um, as well, we are so visible is because of this physical identity that we have. Um, the most visible part of that physical identity is geish, which is unshorn hair. Um, which we keep tidy under, under a turban. Um, and so when you are walking outside anywhere or visiting a new place and you come across someone who um, is wearing a turban and keeps their hair, it's much, it's very, very likely that you are meeting a sick, uh, maybe for the first time. And in those instances like that, I do encourage you um, to go up to that person and to introduce yourself and to ask them about their faith and ask them about who they are. I think you can form many um, assumptions and uh, learn many things by watching it on TV or social media as much of us are, are now doing. But when we talk about lived experiences and um, better understanding who our neighbors are and who the people around us are, 
Um, I think there's no better way to do that than that face-to-face -face contact that you can have with someone. Um, and so as you, as you may think six are becoming more mainstream, um, we have always been here. And so as you are learning more, I encourage you to go out and uh, to meet them if you can and introduce yourself and, and learn about who they are and introduce who you are and to build that face-to-face um, -face relationship, I think. Now, we certainly don't want your community to be defined by this, and I don't want to dwell on it, but I do want to make sure the audience understands uh, some of the experience, negative experiences of the Sikh community. You mentioned acts of, of prejudice. Um, they have been connected to acts of violence. Can, can you touch on some of those? Uh, we see so many shootings in the news today, it's easy to kind of take a, a blind eye and a deaf ear to that. But your community has been targeted on occasion. Can you can you mention some of those? And what do you think it is? What are the primary driving factors that are contributing to these acts of violence? Certainly, um, if you think about what is most recent, what has been in the news of late, um, it's been almost two months now since the shooting at a FedEx facility in Indianapolis. Um, and eight people were killed in that shooting, four of four of the people who were who lost their lives were sick. And um, the investigation itself is, is still ongoing into the motive behind why that shooting happened. Um, but I think if you look in modern times, that's a very clear example of violence against this community that is so visible, um, being in the news and kind of being a part of the narrative. And Sikhs have actually faced this type of hate and discrimination since they first immigrated to the US. Um, one of the earliest examples that comes to mind is in the early 1900s um, in Bellingham up in Washington state. Um, Six were essentially run out of Bellingham by um, a mob and this mob um, attacked their homes and um, beat these people who, had, who, were, who were working um, to provide for their families and provide for people back home and sold their valuables. And um, the Sikh community at that point had basically been run out of Bellingham. Uh, and that if you did want to look back at that history as well, that's called the Bellingham riots. Um, and that happened in Washington state. And kind of fast forward, there have been incidents of discrimination and harassment, violence throughout then the 20th century. Um, but the next most, I think, pivotal moment that comes to mind is the uptick of incidents after the September 11 terrorist attacks. Um, the first person who was killed after 9-11 was a Sikh American named Balbir Singh Sodi, um, who was outside of his gas station in Arizona. And that happened only a couple days after 9-11. And another significant um, uh, point to mention, which I believe at the time was the deadliest attack on an, an American house of worship um, in 2012, August 5th a gunman walked into a Gordwara in Oak Creek, Wisconsin um, and murdered six people. Um, and so 
That massacre as well remains one of the deadliest acts of violence that have occurred um, uh, against the Sikh community in the US. And so there have been these um, very pivotal movements, I think, in, in Sikh American history where our community has faced attacks. And uh, for some of those, we have known um, why they've happened. And for some of those, we've done. And that's just very much um, what the reality is. Uh, but you know, when these attacks do happen, for the Sikh community, um, we don't present ourselves to be victims. And this framing itself actually doesn't in any way align. This framing of victimhood does not align with our faith that as well. Um, in Punjabi and Gurmukhi, the script that's used for our scripture, there's not even a term that is equivalent to to victimhood, to victim, to being a victim. Um, because for us, we still continue to embrace resilience and embrace this idea of Dredikala, of resentless optimism, even in this face of adversity. Well, we, uh, we hope that uh, those kinds of incidents, of course, will, will decline as people gain more information and come to know six in their community. Um, for those listeners and viewers uh, of this podcast, how can they come alongside and and learn more and and help their uh, sick neighbors, whether it's a time of an act of prejudice and violence or just simply wanting to be good neighbors? Yeah, that's a really great question, John. Um, and so I, I guess I'll give the audience some homework. Um, and so one of the things I mentioned earlier about, you know, if you are out somewhere and you come across someone who you believe is to be sick, I encourage you to um, reach out to them and introduce yourself. It can actually just really bring a smile to that person's faith who may already feel kind of like all eyes are on them or, or might be uncomfortable in a new place. Um, this actually happened to me and um, as you can see, I, I do not, while I keep my hair, I do not wear a turban um, and that is a personal choice. So if you were to see me um, at a grocery store or wherever it is, you might not necessarily know that I am sick. Um, but one time I was on a train and I was wearing a shirt that said, um, the future is core. Um, and Gore is my last name, and Gore is the last name given to all sick women, just like Singh is the last name given to all sick men. Um, and it means it means lioness. But so I was sitting on the train, and um, a woman sitting diagonal from me actually just read my shirt, and she was like, "Are you sick?" And in that moment, I thought it was so great. I felt really, really recognized and validated, and. It felt really great to feel that on my end. And I was able to have a discussion with this woman who was able to just from that one to two minutes of interaction, walked away knowing more about the person that she was sitting next to and, and I did as well. And so I bring up this example because um, going, being active and going out and actually meeting someone can really help break down barriers, um, break down assumptions that you might have, um, and, and bring people together. And so uh, if that is intimidating to you and you don't feel comfortable going out on your own to introduce yourself to someone that you might meet, um, 
You can also, for example, with your church, maybe plan a visit uh, to a local Gorgata on Sunday. There's um, many instances that I know of where that's happened, um, where a, a local church group will visit a Gorgata on a Sunday, and then the next Sunday, the Gorgata group will visit the church, um, and, and they use that to learn about each other, the way that each faith practices and um, it's another great way to gain understanding and learn a bit more about um, the people who live in your community. And um, I think another idea when we talk about putting this prayer into action, this idea of seva, of selfless service, um, I encourage you to reach out to your local gurdwara or local Sikh community and ask if they are doing any type of um, service projects for the local community. There's actually many, many communities that do have like monthly going to um, a certain area and feeding the homeless and that's done on a monthly basis. So looking for opportunities like that as well to participate in or contribute to um, could be a great way of doing that as well. But I think the core of all of this is putting the onus on you as the listener to, to reach out and to introduce yourself and to do something. Uh, we'll, do, of course, include in the, the program notes for this podcast a link to the SIC Coalition. Uh, hopefully listeners and viewers will, will take some of this fine advice and uh, put it into action. Um, in addition to your website and resources that are listed there, are there any uh, books by Sikh authors or anything that you would recommend that folks can seek out? Yeah, there are a ton of things. So I, I will point you back to the website as well, because actually on our website, um, if you go on the right side, there's an about six section. So that will take you to a bunch of different um, articles that you can access more about the Sikh faith and then have book lists as well. Um, and if you, for example, want to introduce the Sikh faith to your children, if you go to the education part of our website, we have lists and lists of books written by authors who feature Sikh characters. And that's also a great way to introduce um, a new faith, a new idea to your kids. Um, but so in addition to our website, to go there, there's articles, there are book recommendations. Um, another website that comes to mind is sicknet.com. So that's spelled S-I-K-H-N-E-T.com. Um, and then a third would be six.org, S-I-K-H-S.org. Uh, I'll include those in the program notes as well so that folks have a variety of, of resources to, to seek out. Um, again, I just want to thank you for, for taking the time. I know you folks are very busy uh, at the SIC Coalition, responding to all kinds of things and doing great work. And uh, you took time out of a busy schedule to have this conversation and uh, hopefully to educate and open the hearts as well as the minds of uh, Christians. And, and uh, I do have some non-Christians who listen as well. And uh, I just uh, appreciate you making the time and sharing this with us today. Of course. And um, I really appreciate you, John, creating this space as well, because that last part that I mentioned at the end of putting prayer into action, in a way, this is, this is a great example of it, um, because you are taking it upon yourself to 
use your platform to educate people about something that might be new to them or something they might know a bit about, but it's a great space to share more. And I think just doing that is really impactful and really powerful. So just having the space to um, speak about Sikhi today and to speak about the Sikh faith and traditions. And hopefully if, I hope that anyone who's made it to the end of this podcast and thank you so much for listening to me is you'll walk away with even just one, one new thing that you've learned. I think that uh, makes a big difference. Well, again, I want to thank you so much. Uh, my guest has been Rajan Preet Kaur. And uh, what we try and do here at Multi-Faith Matters at the podcast is to help uh, evangelicals uh, not only love God, but love their multi-faith neighbors and to exercise neighborliness and hospitality. And uh, Rajan Preet, you have uh, been very helpful in that regard. And uh, uh, if there's ever anything uh, I could do in my network of like-minded evangelical Christians who are have an open space in their hearts and minds towards those and other religions, if we can be of any help to the Sikh Coalition, uh, please keep me in mind. I definitely will. Thank you, John. Again, this is the Multi-Faith Matters Podcast. I'm the host, John Moorhead, and I want to thank everyone for watching and listening until the next issue of the podcast.